Hello and welcome to episode number 120 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and we'll have another interview for you on this week's show. This time, we'll be joined by Fresno State linebacker and East-West Shrine Bowl standout, Michael Walker. But before we chat with Michael, Tony, what's going on in your world? Uh, you know, same thing, films, reports. I actually was in your neck of the woods last night as I was in the New York City, in midtown Manhattan with my wife. We actually went to the Westminster Dog Show which uh, I've enjoyed watching for years on TV. And I said, you know what, let's go this year. And I got to tell you, it was an absolute blast. Uh, Four hours of nonstop go was great value. And uh, if you like dogs and, you know, I don't know too many people don't like dogs because I've talked to people during the day who all told me they watched it last night and I wouldn't expect them to sit in front of their TVs and watch it. It was a terrific show. It really was. I really enjoyed it. Now, that sounds like something I might want to do sometime because certainly people might have possibly heard my dog wrestling around in the background here. I know Tony has a dog, too. Uh, you know, on this topic, Tony, did you watch any of the Puppy Bowl? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I was, uh, I was at an establishment and the game was on and et cetera, et cetera. But no, no. And then the, 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 I guess the Puppy Bowl, I would imagine, is uh, is night and day from uh, the Westminster Dog Show. Although... One of the dogs last night did almost nip at the judge and was uh, basically told to go sit in the corner, which the dog and the trainer had to sit in the corner for about 15 minutes. So that was kind of unusual. So they get a timeout. Did they lose points? Uh, they were done. Yeah, no, they got a timeout. Their timeout was basically they were out of the contest. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, they came back. Uh, anybody who didn't watch it, I mean, the Golden Retriever was everybody's favorite. The Golden Retriever. Last night, the dog's name was Daniel. Blew the roof off the uh, off the guard. I mean, the the place went ballistic. The golden retriever didn't win, but this dog that almost nipped at the judge was in the same group as the golden retriever, and uh, they basically sent the dog into the corner, you know, uh, for a timeout. And then the golden retriever won his grouping, and then the bad dog and the or the dog that was bad. I don't say bad dog. The dog that had almost nipped the uh, the judge. Uh, came back out with the owner just to congratulate uh, the Golden Retriever and the Golden Retriever's handler, and that was it. But, no, they were out of the contest. No, that's always good sportsmanship. And, obviously, these dogs are training for a while uh, for the Westminster Dog Show. And at this time of year, NFL draft prospects are training for the Combine. And it's around this time, Tony, that you start getting reports from facilities about players and their individual Combine trainings, whether it's good, whether it's bad. I remember a year ago at this time, you were hearing that former Georgia corner DeAndre Baker was not taking his combine training seriously. He didn't look good in workouts. And overall, he ended up being one of the bigger disappointments of the 2019 combine. Still got selected at the end of the first round by the New York Giants, but many in the Giants organization were displeased with his play as a rookie. Tony, are there any other players that you're hearing similar concerns about this year? Yeah, it kind of breaks my heart to, to say this, but I'm hearing the same things about Ohio State cornerback Damon Arnett. He's not taking the combine training seriously. I'm told uh, he's missed workouts. Just doesn't seem like it's a, a priority for Arnett from what I'm hearing. And it kind of breaks my heart because I got Arnett as a fringe first-round pick. Now, you know, just like uh, DeAndre Baker last year, that may still happen. But uh, the, re- the reviews that I'm getting and the news that I'm getting back on Damon Arnett for the combine are not good. 
and they run parallel to basically what I reported, as you said, reported a year ago on DeAndre Baker. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people questioned that report and kind of took it out and said, oh, well, we don't care what Baker's doing in the lead up to the combine. You know, we're going to trust the tape and everything like that. Then he goes to the combine and he just doesn't show himself to be a very good athlete. Now, some guys just aren't going to blow up the combine regardless, but even if you're not a good athlete, relatively speaking, you need to perform at the top of your kind of range of outcomes. And if you're not taking your combine training seriously while you have other guys out there that you know are really grinding, you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. Yes, it it shows, you know, priorities or a lack of priorities. And getting back to DeAndre Baker, I spoke with a few giant people who I know at the combine, and they said, they basically said to me, what you told us about how, what was happening at the combine how he wasn't taking combine training serious, how his technique was off. You know, he, he looked poor. He looked stiff. He goes, that's, that's the same exact thing that happened uh, with DeAndre Baker on the field for the New York Giants, plus the fact that he just didn't seem very instinctive. Um, so even though he was taken with the first round, I, I don't think they think he's played like a first rounder. And, you know, it all has a way of, uh, you know, basically panning itself out, you know, basically just, you know, following along, uh, you don't you don't take the combine training serious. You don't perform well at the combine, and then it kind of just extends itself. And for me, you know, I, I wasn't high on DeAndre Baker last year, but I really like Damon Arnett. So I was when I heard this, I had to confirm it with somebody else uh, to find out it was true because I think highly of Arnett as a player when I saw him on film. Now, as promised, we'll chat with Michael Walker in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Breaking news: This important PSA is brought to you. By Manscaped.com. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest below-the-belt trim ever. Now, this new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are the first to confirm the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. And we're back and privileged to be joined by linebacker Michael Walker from Fresno State. Now, Michael is coming off a great week at the East-West Shrine Bowl. He's a two-time first-team All-Mountain West performer in his couple of seasons with the Bulldogs. Also spent a couple of years playing Division II ball as well. We'll get into all that shortly, but first, Michael... Welcome to the Draft Analyst, and it's great to have you on with us. And great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of start from the beginning here. You played high school ball in Vacayville, California. Maybe I didn't pronounce that correctly, but it's less than an hour outside of Sacramento. You also ran track and played some basketball. What was not your best sport growing up, but what was your favorite sport? Uh, Football was definitely my favorite sport. Um, I'm just really competitive, and I have twin brothers. We kind of did everything together, but football was definitely our, our my favorite sport. Now, which sport would you say helped you more on the football field, track or basketball? Uh, definitely track. Uh, our track season took off and we were pretty good, so definitely track. Let me ask you, what, what uh, events did you compete in in track and field? I competed in both hurdles, the 110 high hurdles and the 300 uh, meter hurdles, and then I competed in the 4x1 relay and the 4x4 relay. 300 hurdles are a killer, uh, killer event. I competed in the decathlon, so I did the 110 high hurdles and I did the 400, but I would, had no interest in doing the 400 hurdles, that's for sure. Uh, but as Chris alluded to, you know, you started your college career at Azusa Pacific, 
did any D1 teams show any interest uh, towards you during the recruiting process? And what ultimately led you to, to start off your college career at Azusa Pacific? Yeah, so I actually have a really interesting story. Um, I got offered to San Diego State as a junior out of high school. Um, it was a really big deal. You know, my, my head coach became like a father figure to me. So, you know, he called me in the office and we were on the phone with those guys and I got my first offer a junior year. But um, obviously being a young young naive kid, you know, I'm thinking if I got a Mountain West offer as a junior high school, then I'm going to roll in the Pac-12 offers. You know, these big-time schools are going to come in. Just growing up watching these big-time schools, you know, I thought I was going to get some of those in. So um, just going throughout the process, you know, I, I – I got that offer as a junior. I waited on it, sitting on it. I was talking to a lot of big time schools, you know, but you know, they weren't really sending the offer. You know, they were showing a lot of love, sending a lot of letters and deals, but the offer wasn't coming out. So uh, just a long story short, you know, my senior year, um, I basically had talked to a lot of other Mountain West schools who were showing interest in sending offers to me. And uh, I told them, hey, like, I'm gonna go ahead and commit to San Diego State because my high school coach had convinced me like, you know, don't be one of those guys who commit to a school and decommit because then I'm going to be taking an opportunity away from another kid in my same position who won't get that off. So, you know, I, um, I took, you know, when I when I get advice from, like, certain people I, I consider, like, family to me, I think it really moves in heart. So I, I listened to them. I didn't do that. And uh, when, I, when I called up, it was late December of my senior year to, to commit to San Diego State, they have told me that, they offered three linebackers. They only had two spots, so they, they can give me a gray shirt opportunity. I didn't know what a gray shirt was. Uh, shortly after hearing, finding out what it was, got off the phone. No, I didn't want to sit out of football. Um, after that, my only two options were um, UTEP or Azusa Pacific. So I thought, well, if I go to Azusa Pacific, uh, I can use it like a, a JUCO, you know, play for two years and, and transfer out. And that's exactly what I did. And then found out I had to sit out. I didn't know there was a sit out there. Well, it's probably a good choice anyway, because Azusa Pacific probably would would give uh, UTEP a run for its money the way the uh, the Miners have been playing in, in recent years. So you 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 play linebacker for Azusa Pacific for, for two years, then you decide to transfer to Fresno State. How did that decision play out? Did you go back to, to San Diego State, or was it Fresno State first and foremost right from the get go? So. My dad played at Fresno State, so out of high school, it was a place I really wanted to go. They never actually offered me out of high school, so that was that was a place I really wanted to go. I was going to play in the Mountain West, but no, like, um, I mean, I was a fairly big kid, and, you know, I, I had three more years of eligibility left, so I pretty much could have played anywhere. So what I started doing, I started looking at schools, you know, in my area close to home, because, you know, if I did have to sit out, I didn't want to have to redshirt somewhere, you know, not in California, so. I started looking at some schools that potentially I could I could go on and move on. I found out that Coach Tedford was going to be coming over and taking over um, Fresno State. I did my research to look at the roster, seeing their linebackers were seniors, um, just seeing that their whole coaching staff was going to be replaced. So I just knew I could come in and compete for a spot right away. And then sometimes, you know, it's hard to, to come in and, and try to make a name for yourself. They already had their guys. So I, it just was the perfect fit for me, and everything just worked out, and I was able to play with my dad played. Now, you mentioned a couple of linebackers on the depth chart and just looking and making sure you were going to be able to get playing time. Obviously, you went there as an inside linebacker. You redshirted in 2017. But the next year, they actually moved you outside to play on the edge at 220 pounds. What was that experience like, not only moving up a division, but switching to a position you've never played before, especially after looking over that depth chart and thinking you were going to have an opportunity to play your natural position? 
Yeah, so that's a man, that's a whole other story right there. Uh, coming into to Fresno State, uh, I started off a wheel linebacker, and that's the position I thought I was going to play there. Um, when they found out that I was ineligible and I had to switch over to the scout team, uh, they didn't have anybody big enough to play that stud DM position for the scouts. So, I mean, each week – I mean, I played it all for scout team. Uh, you know, I played inside, I played outside. One time I was playing like a box safety, so I, got, I was playing it all for scout team. But um, I was playing that stud position a lot. And so my the defensive line coach, a uh, really, really good coach, uh, Coach Kane, he, had, he started watching me. You know, they started watching – me as I'm developing at this position without even being taught anything. And so that's the year that Fresno State just came off that 1-11 season. They went on a run, 10-4, and and went to the championship game. So they returned all their linebackers, all of our linebackers. Um, me and Coach Tepper have a really, really good relationship. You know, I, I call him up, I FaceTime him on vacations and stuff like that. And so he had called me in the office um, going, into this, going into spring ball of 20, which would be the 2018 season. And he had said, you know, we think you're one of our top guys. We're already returning our, our linebackers, so we want to get you on the field somewhere. So we're going to find a place for you. And that just happened to become that defensive and outside linebackers. Now, obviously, you were still able to make an instant impact. You led the team with 14 tackles for loss. You were the defensive MVP of the conference championship game against Boise State. How were you able to play so well at a new level of competition at that new spot? Uh, just having that, that chip on my shoulder, you know, I'm coming in just out of high school, you know, I felt like I was under-recruited out of high school, uh, having that chip on my shoulder, then transferring in, uh, the new kid, you know, the D2 guy, you know, that's always going to hang around your name, always a D2 guy, you know, that chip on my shoulder just to come and prove, prove myself, you know, it's never about proving people wrong, you know, I think a lot of people get wrapped up in that, I think for me, it's always about proving myself right, you know, I believed in myself, I took that chance when everybody thought, you know, maybe you should just stay you had a really good season out of zoom so maybe you should just stay and be comfortable here but i took that leap and i believed in myself and and pushed it out there when i got to fresno state i mean like i said like i mentioned before about coach kane and, and the strength coach andy ward like those guys really believed in me you know coach stafford really believed in me to put me out there i mean there's not too many 220 pound defensive ends out here playing football so um, for them to believe in me help me believe in myself and just that belief and that comfortable just being able to be you really helped me out and make that big impact as Chris alluded, you know, your first season at Fresno State, the program had great success. You guys went 12-2. and two. You won the Mountain Conference title, beating a Boise State in what was an exciting overtime game. Then you go and you beat up on Arizona State in the Vegas Bowl. What was the one thing, the one or two highlights from that 2018 season that, uh, you know, you took away and that, that'll be with you forever? Uh, just the connections I met in the locker room, you know, those guys are my best friends, you know, no matter where I go. I, I told them before I left this year, you know, my phone number is never going to change, you know, where, you know, these guys, I can look at, consider those guys like my brothers. So, I mean, just every day taking the grind together. When it, it's nothing like being out there, doing those conditioning drills, everything you work for and just having it all come, come to success. Is, it was just an unbelievable feeling, you know, we were able to look at each other and hang out now like, we really did that, you know. It's one of those times we'll sit on the couch and be hanging out like guys who really won that championship game, you know, in the snow. A lot of us never played in a snow game before, so it's just it's just those memories that you make with those people, those connections you make with those coaches. I mean, Coach Kane just got, uh, you know, a, a good opportunity to go coach at Oklahoma, and he still calls me. So, you know, those, those connections you make with the coaches or players is something I really cherish. It's good to hear. Now, speaking of Boise State, 
You faced them twice in 2018. You lost to them during the regular season. And like I said, you beat them in, the, in an exciting overtime game for the conference title, which you mentioned was in the snow. I remember watching that game. Boise State has one of the more underrated tackles that is going to be in this year's draft, Ezra Cleveland. Do you remember facing off against Cleveland at any point in 2018? And what can you tell us about him? Uh I played on both sides. So if he was out there in 2018, I definitely played against them. I know that Boise State line as a whole is really good. I mean, those, those are the guys. We, we took a lot of time to, to study those guys. And I mean, our coach dissected them inside and out. And our play, just players, you know, we go in there and have player-led meetings because we knew that those guys were really good. So I can tell you that uh, Boise has a great line. I mean, I don't remember him specifically, but I know that. If he's on that Boise line, he's going to be a really good player. He's going to make a, lot, a big impact next year, next level. Now, as a senior, you moved back inside to your natural position. Kind of a three-part question here. What precipitated that switch back inside? When did the coaching staff tell you about it? And how did you prepare to make the move? So, as I mentioned before, how me and uh, Coach Tempered relationship, um, basically, uh, I told him, you know, you know, if I'm going to come back to Fresno State, you know, I want to, I want to move back to my position. And he was like, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, I was sitting there trying to figure out a way to tell him, like, how am I going to get back to linebacker, you know, sitting there for hours, sticking to myself before we set up the meeting, well, you know, it was a little later in the day and I'm kind of think like, okay, how am I going to convince this guy to let me go back, you know? And as soon as I walked in the door, he's like, Mike, I think you should go back to go be our Mike linebacker. Uh, our Mike linebacker at Fresno State is, he's the guy who calls the shots. You know, he's a signal caller. He's the glue of that defense. And he said that, he wants me to – he feels like I'm the right choice to be there. He wants me to be able to be that vocal leader and, and go to that my position. So, um, I mean, from him just to have that trust in me, I mean, it's what I wanted to do. It's what he thought was best for the team, and that's kind of how we, we got that. Moving towards your, uh, your senior season, you were graded by scouts as a fourth-round pick. This is the summer of 2019. Were you aware of this? Did you have any conversations about the grade with anybody? Did you know what the NFL was thinking about you prior to your senior campaign of 2019? No, I, I had no idea, really. It was just, uh, for me, I, I just knew I wanted to go out with a bang, you know. Obviously, if the season didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but I just knew if I'm going to come back and I get to play my regular position, then I'll be able to show show teams I can play both. You know, it was one of those things where I really didn't know, have any idea where the team saw me at, but I knew I needed to make a name for myself coming out of a, the Mountain West Conference. Year two at Fresno State was a different story for you. The Bulldogs go four and eight, no bowl game. Coach Jeff Tedford, who you told us you have a great relationship with, steps down due to medical issues. Can you put your finger on one reason why there was a difference from a team, a team that went 12 and two the prior year and won the, the conference title going four and eight a season later? Yeah, I mean, for like I'm a guy who doesn't like to make a lot of excuses, you know, but if I had to pinpoint some stuff, um, Last year, our, our team, we went 12-2. and two. Um, We graduated 28 of those guys had left to – those guys graduated or we had some guys leave early. And then we had 16 season-ending injuries this year, which forced <sighs> guys to move out of their position and go to different positions. But eventually, eventually moved me back to defense man because of that cause. But, yeah, I mean, those, those two things are tough. You know, when you play with a lot of young guys who haven't really got that experience before, and uh, just – and then people get hurt, you know. We always have that next man up mentality. But when you lose 16 of them, you know, it gets kind of tough. Yeah, I mean, that's about half your roster in yeah. terms of 28 graduations and 16 injuries. I mean, that'll, that'll torpedo any season. Yeah, definitely. Now, we're going to get to your experience at the Shrine Week in a minute here. But 
before we do, what would you say was the biggest difference for you between your time at Azusa Pacific and your time at Fresno State? Uh, for me, I, I would say, um, well, obviously, I mean, the, the short end of this question would be, you know, the size difference, the speed difference, you know, the, you know, the, the change in scale. Everyone wants to make those comparisions with, you know, D1, D2. But for me, the biggest thing that I took out of it was people's mindset, you know. When I, I seen, I kind of noticed when I was at Azusa, people played football because, you know, it was fun, you know, like they liked playing football, like I'm a football player. But when I came to Fresno State and when I came to play against these guys I play against, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of us are trying to make this, you know, our job and our career. So, um, you know, we, I just feel like people take it, they hold football to a higher standard here at Fresno State than they did at Azusa. You know, Chris mentioned the Shrine Week, and I thought you had a great week uh, of practices, the, the three days of practices. And and you got a lot of fans out there because anytime I, I tweeted praise out to you, there were a bunch of people who were either liking my tweet or, or commenting on what, uh, what a great guy you are. My, my question is this. You're preparing for uh, the week of Shrine practices. You're heading down to St. Pete. Is there one thing in your mind that you know, you're looking forward to or you're saying, listen, this is what I want to press upon scouts and NFL teams the most while I'm there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my, my whole goal just going out there and being able to play with some of the best prospects um, in the country that's coming up in this draft and being on the show, you know, like it doesn't matter that I played in the Mountain West, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm not the SEC guy. Like I could play anywhere. I could play at the next level and just being able to compete, you know, that's the biggest thing for me was to be able to put my head down and grind take the coaching staff from NFL coaches, you know, being able to adapt and learn how to play with guys I, I'm not familiar with, you know, just being able to show these coaching staff that I can adapt, I can learn the scheme, and I can perfect it, you know, I can play well, I can, I can really make an impact no matter what scheme I'm in, and that was the biggest thing. And obviously you were able to do that leaving the week. What would you say the one thing you took away from the experience as a whole and what you were able to accomplish was? Uh, it, it was a great experience as a whole, you know, for just before I dive into that, I mean, just being able to go to the children's hospital and, and do those things, because those are some of the stuff that people don't realize, you know, they think we're just football players and all we do is play football, but being able to get, that's it's such a rewarding feeling to be able to go to that children's hospital and see those kids and the excitement they had for us, that it was such like, that's something I'm, I'm definitely going to cherish for the rest of my life, you know, being able to be in that situation. You know, I could have played an all-star game in California, but I wouldn't have had that opportunity to go to that children's hospital. Um, as far as the football aspect comes, uh, just being able to get coached and, and, like I said, play with these guys, you know, it's it's a great experience. I'm going to be able to look back on this the rest of my life and be like, you know, I, I played with that guy, you know, next year. Uh, God willingly get drafted and be able to be in the league, have a successful career. I'll be able to play with these guys. Like, oh, I'll be able to see these guys. Like, remember, we played in the East-West Shrine together. So those connections I got from that, that experience, that experience I got, the first kind of taste of NFL coaching staff was just, it's, it's a great humbling experience. Well, you know, you kind of beat me to my question there because I was going to ask you about the uh, off the field experiences. You know, you mentioned uh, going to the Children's Hospital. What was the one thing that you took away from that or, or the most memorable things of your visits there? Definitely, you know, as people, when we go through life, you know, we go through hardships. You know, sometimes you get that, you know, what was me mentality. But just going to there and seeing these these kids who are not, you know, who develop like the rest of us, but they, they come every day with a smile on their face. I mean, they, they had a great time with us. I mean, they're laughing. They're teaching us how to do things. You know, they're, they're playing with us. We're shooting hoops with them, but they're having a great time. And, I mean, it might not look the way it looks when we do it, but um, – just definitely just seeing them go through life, you know, it, it tells you, it gives you a better perspective just 
you know, change that mindset, like, not well with me, but, like, you know, we, we have this thing at, at Fresno where we say, we don't like to say I have to, we say I get to. So it's one of those situations, I take that in, I'm just thinking, like, these, these, these kids get up every day and they say I get this life, you know, I, I get to do this, and that's something I try to, to put in my, my daily routine now. Like, I, I get to get up in the morning early, I get to train, you know, just have that better, that better mindset going through it, through life. Now, Michael, give us a scouting report on yourself as you are winding down your college career here. Just for starters, what would you say are your biggest strengths as a player? My versatility. I mean, I played all four phases of special teams. I played inside backer. I played outside backer. You know, just being able to play everything, being able to fit into any scheme that's asked of me, uh, that's definitely going to be my, my strength. You know, my, my football IQ, you know, my play recognition, uh, being able to pick things up quick, uh, that's just something that – that I, I try to really showcase, you know, especially being in the opportunity like playing the East-West Shrine. Now, conversely, what part of your game would you say needs the most attention? For me, it would just be moving to the next level, playing linebacker, beating my pass drops, you know, the recognition of, of pass drops and route recognition and stuff like that because at Fresno State, um, I didn't really get to show off those skills. So, so that's definitely something I'm going to really pinpoint and, and get those right because – I mean, like, you know, the league now is turning almost to seven on seven. So definitely get those right and, and be able to, to boost that up. Where are you working out to prepare for the combine? I'm out here in uh, North Miami, uh, Pete Bomarito. Are there, uh, is there a specific position coach you're working with out there? Uh, well, see, the linebacker. So with the linebacker group, at first we were working with the DBs and then we kind of moved back into the linebackers. But, I mean, it's a good – we don't have like a – specific you know like linebacker coach bb coach but we definitely have a lot of guys who come in some of ex-vets and they kind of like teach us stuff so it's a lot of good work out here who else is out there with you working out any uh any well-known players that uh draft fans or college football fans would recognize uh absolutely we have uh, jk dobbins ohio state running back um we got malik harrison ohio state linebacker uh, we got lavisca shaholt colorado's wide receiver I mean, there's just there's there's a lot of incredible, great great guys out here. I mean, they're they're great athletes and better people. So we definitely got a good group out here. Now you mentioned Malik Harrison as a guy playing the same position as Malik Harrison. Obviously, he went to a big school. He was at the Senior Bowl. You were at Shrine Week. Are you kind of comparing yourself a bit to him and looking to him and say, hey, what can I do to get to the level of recognition that somebody like Malik Harrison gets? No, I mean that that's just not really me. You know, I don't really pair myself to guys like that. I mean, I, me and me and Leek, I mean, he, he's a great dude. You know, we're always messing with each other, laughing, hanging out, competing with each other. So, I mean, he's the type of guy where, I, I mean, I'm happy for his success 100%. I mean, I, I'm trying to compare myself to guys who are in the league, you know. So, when it comes to guys I'm just training with, I don't really – I don't ever really compare myself to those type of guys. I like to compare myself to guys in the league doing what I'm trying to get to. Well, for what it's worth, uh, Michael – if it's third and six and it's a passing down, I'd rather have you on the field than Malik Harrison because I like your agility and, and your movement skills a little bit better. That's good to hear. I appreciate that. Now, what numbers are you going to hope to hit and shoot for during combine testing, specifically drills like, you know, the 40, 10 split, bench, vertical? Just what are your general goals heading in? Uh, I mean, for me, I, my, my whole thing is just being the best I can be. You know, I want to be a top performer top 10 performer in every aspect, every, every drill, um, testing thing, you know, when we get on the drills, I want to be 
top five best looking athlete fluid runner out there. But so for me, it's just working on my craft, getting better every single day, going out there and being the best I can be and, and competing and being the top performer out there. Now, Michael, we learned a lot about you today, just what makes you tick and, you know, what you look for as a player. Hopefully our listeners got the same out of this that we did. It was truly a pleasure to speak with you today. And, and thanks again for joining us on the show. I appreciate you guys for having me. Michael, thanks so much. Good luck to you uh, and the combine, first of all, then your pro day and the draft. And, you know, for people listening, you don't have to be a top three pick to be a, a productive or have a long, productive NFL career. And if you go on the third day of the draft or if you go in the fourth round, you could be just a, as productive. And, you know, if Michael's one of those guys that slides out of the second day of the draft, proper coaching, obviously he's got, he's got a head on his shoulders and he's got the film. I recommend that people go back and watch the game from the versatility between 2018, 2019 to play up the field in the box and as well as play more traditional uh, discipline linebacker position. He's got it all going on. So Michael, again, thanks for joining us. Good luck moving forward. And we look forward to seeing you play on Sundays this fall. I appreciate that. And that's it for the 120th episode of the Draft Analyst presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. Thanks again to Michael Walker of Fresno State for joining us on this week's episode. And we'll be back again next week to keep you updated on the latest draft news. And hopefully we'll get to chat with another draft prospect for you all. Until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon.